Hello there, and welcome to Gooner U, where there are no degrees because the learning never stops. I'm Dove, a TA here at Gooner U, and my friend Keith is our stalwart, distinguished professor of Arsenal and football studies. This week featured Champions League match day three at Sevilla and Premier League match number 10 at home against Sheffield United. Hello, Keith. Hello, Dove. Um, I'm enjoying the 40 degree temperature drop we had between yesterday and today here in Houston. Uh, I was in the it was in the eighties yesterday. Oh yeah. It was in the eighties yesterday. It wasn't quite forty degrees, but it was in the mid to low eighties yesterday. It was in the high forties today, which it's October. So your temperatures like are around the same as mine. This probably happens like twice a year. Yeah. Well the the real <laughs> I, I say this as someone who unabashedly misses regular cold weather, especially this time of year in the fall. But in particular what bothers me about it is it also like rained all day today. And cold rain is the absolute mm. worst. But um, but it does. It does. Contribute. I imagine you don't deal with too much there. <laughs> uh, not re- well, rain. Uh, but it, but it does yeah, contribute to the Eng- yeah. It does contribute to the English feel of all of this, which I feel is which is a, a little, at least a little appropriate. Yeah, we had some rain in both both matches this week, but even the rain can't wipe the smile off my face. So, <laughs> uh, so you know, uh, I'd say I don't think anything's going to wipe a uh, smile off Eddie and Kenya's face for a couple of days. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, we're, but we'll but we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. Yeah, so um before we get to those those two matches in question, uh you were sharing something very interesting with me before we began our recording tonight. Uh sort of related to things we talk about on the show. It's certainly of interest to sports fans. What what was it that you were sharing? Uh, so I, I, the, we are currently amid, uh, amidst the World Series of uh, Baseball, the championship series for Major League Baseball, which does include the best teams in the world. Sorry, Japan. Uh, but um, <laughs> anyway, the, it, I, I was tracking the game or at least keeping an eye on it while I was doing something else on uh, the MLB's game day program, which they have had for years, sort of showing you where pitches are and telling you, updating you on the action as it happens. And and baseball being a game of very discrete sequential actions, in some ways it's very easy to keep track of. I mean, this this was back 20 years ago they were doing this using Flash, which I understand Flash no longer operates as a program, as I, as I understand it. Um, yeah, that's been discontinued for a while. Built-in browser technologies overtook it, yeah. Right, yeah. So this used to run on Flash. That's how old it is. Um, yeah. But one of the things I started to see here, and, and I assume this is connected to the World Series, because I don't recall seeing it last week during the League Championship Series. Uh, it, it's a beta version, but they have on there, if you were to open up a game, and I presume it would have to be live, because I don't think the game day actually runs. It just shows a box score if the game isn't live. Uh, but currently, we're, we're as usual, we record on Mondays. We're in the middle of Game 3 of the World Series, and what it actually has is... A, a little, uh, you know, little mini mini baseball field and live positioning of all of the players on the field, including, I mean, the defensive players, of course, but also some base runners and even little animations of the pitch. And it is live tracking their movements on the field. Yeah. Which I, I discovered this about an hour ago, and frankly, this is this has been the thing today that has blown my mind more than anything else <laughs> I've, I've seen or been involved. Oh, it's, yeah, it's it's great. You see the runners leading off and retreating back, and I saw like in between innings, you saw all the infield players like all retreating to the dugout. It was uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. I could see that being something that's really. I mean, I, I imagine that the management of soccer clubs already probably have that for their players, where they can see like a top-down view, like annotated with who all the players are and stuff like that. I imagine they have something like that, however they're achieving it. But as a fan, that would be cool, like if you're analyzing what's going on. 
Yeah, I mean, it's particularly interesting because of, excuse me, the fact that's happening live. Like, you actually are in some ways getting, a, it's not a broadcast of the game necessarily, but you're getting to see yeah. the game. And, and on some level, because of what it's depicting, like you sort of mentioned, that kind of top-down view, if you, if you watch a baseball game, what you're getting is the view from center field, looking behind the pitcher so you can track the strike zone and where the ball goes. But you don't really, unless the camera decides to show it, you won't see the defensive positioning of the outfielders or the infielders or what they're trying to do there. You'll only see that if the ball goes into play. Sort of like we talk about with soccer or, or hockey or even football, where you're f- so focused in on the ball that you sort of lose the off-the-ball movement, as I know you right. noticed when you, when you saw the live game this summer. Yeah, no, and that that's something that came up, you know, we're, we're drawing nearer to the eventual release of Apple Vision Pro, and that's something that people talked about with seeing, I, I think it was a baseball demo, but the person I was reading talking about this was at least saying how useful it would be in baseball, where if they're recording like 360 degrees from some vantage point, like along one of the baselines or something, you've got a headset on, you can look at whatever action you want to mm-hmm. anywhere on the field. And that's transformative for how you would experience, especially a game like baseball, where there is stuff going on all over the place and you're at the mercy of a limited camera angle. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it, I mean, and it was interesting because I've, I've said, I think I've said this before as one, one view that I would actually have always liked in any sporting event would be a fixed camera. Like basically mm-hmm. have a camera, put it somewhere in the stands. I don't even necessarily care where it is, but sort of give you that experience of watching the game in the stadium where you have, like, I, I love when I go to live games of any sport, I love sitting in the upper deck. Like I like sitting a little higher up because I like being able to look down and sort of watch everything that's happening. A view when you're fixed, you sort of see the movement in a way you can't pick up on television. So I sort of find that fascinating. Um, you that's know, I, I did. Yeah, it's good for your wallet if you prefer the upper text. Also, true. I mean, I buy, I buy everything. I buy everything resale. I don't buy face value. Well, I will buy face value tickets, but you you go to the right teams in the right times of year. Uh, you know, the face value tickets are dirt cheap. So uh, yeah, I think I, I think I saw a Rangers game for like like twenty bucks this year. The Rangers wow. were currently in the World Series, so you know, upper deck. Um, maybe the app, StubHub app wasn't working. Anyway, point is, uh, yeah, yeah. I, that's a good way. Every once in a while, I'll splurge and go low. But the problem when you're low is it's actually hard to see a lot. Um, hmm. You know, you the lower you get, it, sometimes it's it, sometimes it's fun and good because you see everything. You know how like you talk about how fast everything happens and how good you can sort of see the skill level a little more. But I, I kind of like the idea of being set back a little bit and being to look down and watch things develop over the over the broader field. So that's a personal yeah. preference. Um, every to each their own, of course. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite baseball viewing experience was absolutely at City Field. A uh, company I used to work for was part owner of the Mets. And so we'd get to sit in one of the nice owner's boxes, like behind home plate. Mm-hmm. And that was absolutely the best way <laughs> for me to see the game. Like, just, yeah, I mean, a, and I've been at that stadium or another at similar company outings. Other boxes, which are nice, but like in that position where you're that close to the field and behind home plate is a great view too. So I I did once go to a game of a, they're not even, they weren't even a minor league team. They're an independent baseball team called the Fort Worth Cats who were Hmm. baseball, independent baseball team. And it was, it was technically like their preseason game. They didn't have a preseason. They had a game warmup game. Um, and you know, there were maybe 30 people in the ballpark. So I, I was in there. The guy, the guy who took me in there was a forward native. He's like, let's go down and sit. We sat 
like the front row right behind sure. home plate. And and the pitcher they had some guy some kid was pitching who was you know, he was some guy who was getting looked at by major league teams, and so he threw an inning, like at two innings, you know, where, where, of course, the fun thing is you can see all the scouts who were in the section with us, and every time he threw a pitch, everyone's radar gun popped up to get the <laughs> get the velocity. But you see the pitch come in, you can see, like, the velocity they're really throwing with, and so, sure. oh, my goodness, that's what, that's what 98 looks like. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. Um but yeah, it's cool. So with, with the tracking that you're talking about, I've got a couple additional things to say about that. For one thing, um, my dad is into hockey a lot and, uh, he was pointing out that this season with the NHL, which just started, um, that he's actually seeing during the broadcast, they'll have following the players, they'll have a live name pointing to whoever's got the puck at that point in time. Mm-hmm. You know, just kind of give their name, number, maybe a stat. I don't know. It's, it's just kind of a, brief that that'd be great that'd be really useful in a soccer match because how much of what the commentators are saying which you don't you don't experience in the pub for the most part but um yeah. what they're saying a lot of a time when there's nothing else to say like zinchenko tomiyasu <laughs> saying the name of who just right. gave up the ball like that would be really helpful to be able to see and especially especially for the opposing team, right? I generally know who for Arsenal has the ball at any point in time, but as far as getting to know the opposing players, that would be very, very useful. And especially for me, I know I tend to learn names better when I'm seeing them instead of hearing them. So I'll hear a name from the opposing team and then I'll be waiting to catch the back of their jersey or so at some point or waiting for a yellow card <laughs> or yeah. something like that where their names are ever subbed off. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> uh, gen- generally, I, in some ways, I, I like to treat opposing players a lot like referees that if I know their name, it's usually not for a good reason. <laughs> either for either for them and for me, it's like, oh, why is that guy beating us? Or <laughs> we keep getting back, yeah. run at that guy. Um, and of course, some of them like to be distinctive, of course, haircuts or, you know, shoe oh, sure. color or things like, you know, that helps a little bit too. But <laughs> generally <might>. speaking, I, <laughs> you know, generally speaking, if I remember your name, game to game, it's like, oh, it's him. Right. That guy, yeah. Um, Yeah, so it would be cool if they brought that uh, MLS game day, not MLS, MLB (laughs) game day stuff to to the Premier League. That'd be cool. I mean, I know I'd like it just for having like a textual recap of the game. Like I was seeing on the sidebar there, they'd say, okay, first inning, ground out to first, ground out third, pop fly, single, whatever. yeah, that like that would be really cool. Just for like a quick recap, that you can scan through for what you're looking for way easier than like I, I look at the two minute video recaps that Arsenal posts. Yeah. I'll watch those before we record. I'll put a link to it in our show description to make it easier on on listeners and viewers for us. But um, having a textual one would be really great. That'd be really useful. And I mean, even just being able to see like a time lapse flow of like how the teams move, just like when you have that data at that granular yeah. level, I also imagine it would probably be easier to do for soccer than for baseball. Like it seems to me that there's fewer factors that you're tracking. Yeah. And then there are some of those sites that exist. Unfortunately, we only started talking about this right before we came on. So I haven't had time to track any of it. <laughs> there are some sites that exist though. There, there are heat maps of player positions. They'll do passing maps sort of showing where players are positioned, okay. where passes are going to. So there's a lot of that data that does exist and is put out there. Um, I'd have to dig up a few of those sites. I can't think of any of them off the top of my head. I'm right. sure. You know, people in comments will just jump right in and like, oh, yeah, it's this one. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of good stuff out there for that kind of thing. <laughs> I mean, 
But, you know, and we don't have to go too deep into this because we do have two games and two wins to talk about this week. But I, right. I do think there's a lot of, <laughs> in a lot of ways, baseball works. It, like some of those things do exist. ESPN, I know, does them with soccer. The Premier League has, it does that. Some of that sort of, you know, moment by moment, event by event tracking of, of, of things. Uh, some of the major newspapers I, and a lot of people swear by the Guardian's coverage of, of games is sort of, it's, but if you can't watch, sort of giving a play by play. There's a live blog uh, done by Ars Blog. Uh, so there's a lot of those kind of sources out there, but it, you know, and it's kind of interesting to sort of watch, read them back in retrospect, and sort of get kind of, especially as you can sort of track some of the the flow of the game and remembering like how you felt at certain moments. But those things sort of exist, that's, but you know, yeah, that's it, that's in interesting. Baseball, if Ars Blog does a live blog, that might be the closest to what I was talking about. Yeah, and and, and probably and, a little more know, granular than I'd like, but <laughs> and and we can maybe get into this another time. But like, I think that part of the difference is baseball. Like you, you saw there, ground out to second. I mean, that tells you a lot about what you saw there, as opposed to in soccer, a similar thing would be you know right footed shot from outside the box. Yeah, I mean, yeah. which which you know again, right footed shot from outside the box. Yeah, that's true. You know, what for example was Eddie and Kenny's third goal? It doesn't right. quite capture what no. happened. A, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, no, so, I, I see what you're talking about there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, but again, you're right. They, this technology has been has been being developed for the love of the last twenty years. I mean, this is this is the, and, you know game day talk about as a flash player. I mean, I remember watching that in college, which was mm-hmm. suddenly a long time ago. Um, I mean, back in I mean, started back when we were in high school like it, it has been around for a while and so mm-hmm. yeah it's 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 very interesting again it's their beta version we'll see what happens what mlb does for example come come april when the new season starts you know how much of that's still there um yeah. you know it'll be curious to see what they maintain with it if they continue to expand the use of it um you yeah. know i typically i mean i pay for the, the tv package so i watch the game but you know it, it, if i'm ever in a, a situation i mean i can't i don't know that might be different i don't know yeah. Um, so, so um, by the way, um, something I forgot to mention, just so for any subscribers to the bootleg, what we're going to start doing, we started with the last episode and we'll do it in this episode. We plan to continue doing this is after you hear me saying, you know, <laughs> you can find Keith in a pub watching Arsenal matches right after that, after the show is over, we keep on talking. And what I'm doing now is I'm starting to keep that recorded instead of stopping the recording there and that'll be part of the bootleg so that'll be something that you can listen to if you become a Gooner super fan so find the link for that in the show notes or the youtube description and uh, we'd love for you to join um meanwhile there's one more thing that we wanted to talk about before we get to the sevilla match which it looks like it has something to do with what is this rhinebeck soccer league rsl that's where my son plays or, or ah, no, no, something no, else? no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Um, so yeah, the, our, our, our messy segment is slowly being morphed into the MLS, uh, <laughs> segment. I've allowed MLS to take over this. Um, so yeah. the only game, only playoff, the playoffs have begun for MLS. Uh, the, they had the play in round or whatever they're calling it. Uh, those games were played last week and they've begun the best of three first round series. Uh, the only one of those games I watched last night, I saw Houston, uh, play a Real Salt Lake RSL. Uh, uh, Armand Bassi scored in the 79th minute to give Houston a two to one win. They will play game two on next Monday in Salt Lake City. And if the if RSL wins, they will then go back to Houston for a decisive game three, uh, presumably at a date and time best determined by Apple for television viewing. Cool. All right, let's. 
let's delay no longer before we talk about Sevilla. I can't can't take it anymore. So so we went into this match. This was match day three. This is our third game in our group. Uh, this happened on the twenty fourth. So it was almost a week ago as we record. And we went into this match hoping for a draw and coming out with a win. It was a yeah. really impressive result. We played well against them. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, where do you want to start? You want to go chronologically or, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's a good place to start sort of as playing to, um, uh, is sort of playing to expectations. It, it, and and I, I mentioned this before, you know, I think away to Sevilla was the toughest game we were going to see in the champions league group stage. I still stand by that in spite of what we got from loans. Um, you know, Sevilla's quality in Europe, uh, it's a, you know, a pretty big stadium. It's a, it's a definitely an experienced fan base and experienced team. You know, Lons was kind of riding an emotional high and full credit to them for doing it. You know, we talked about the atmosphere there. Um, it's interesting. I re- I was listening, I guess it would have been, yeah, it would have been at the end of the week. I remember listening to, uh, the, the Ars cast and, the, uh, James McNicholas was the, uh, an, an Arsenal writer at the athletic. He's on the, he's on the show regularly. Um, he, he, I, I, I'm pretty sure he was being serious about this, but it said he saw in he was at he was in Seville, Seville for the game and saw a banner there, which roughly translated as uh, translated to uh, n- uh, "No one loves you like we do," hmm. which you know he thought was like, "Oh, it's interesting, a comment for a player or something." But he said he saw at the end of the banner was a picture of the Europa League trophy. Uh-huh. Oh. Uh, Sevilla won it last year and has won it, I think, like six times. They've won it more than anyone else. Um, right. Hmm. So <laughs> it was like, hmm. huh. Um, so, but again, <laughs> and it, we we sort of said this back when the draw happened, right? To, to to draw Sevilla was probably one of the better options as far as the the pot one teams we could have been drawn with and you know but you saw that they were they were they were not a joke and they've got right. some they've got some talent um they've got you know some experienced players even a player like Sergio Ramos who played for years at uh, I believe it was that he was they were Real or Barca he's it, I'm gonna get a lot of hate for not remembering which one but um you know, he put, he, he's an experienced player. They had a lot of experienced players, experienced European players. So even though the game at times was felt a bit uncertain, or even though at times felt a little choppy, I, it, that's a game and a way win in Europe is not a game. I am ever going to go, well, that should have gone better. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, we got, we got three points in a group, an away group game in the champions league. That's a, especially coming off of the, uh, the lost loans in the previous game. Well, in another interesting sort of tidbit, um, we can talk about the group standings overall after the, after we get to the whole game, but um, every game not involving Arsenal has ended in a draw. Hmm. I, I, I find that very weird. Um, hmm. Just our, our games have all had results. We beat PSV and Sevilla. We lost to Lons. Every other game between the, those other three teams mm-hmm. has been a draw, yeah. which I, I don't know what that means, if it means anything, if it's just a massive coincidence, but it has been helpful in terms of us uh, getting points for the group, uh, you know, our six points leads the way at this, at this point. Well, it's, it's also interesting on a meta level, just the commentary of the structure of, of our group schedule. So we played Sevilla away last week. I don't remember who Mm -hmm. between PSV and law was at home, but 
this week is both reverse fixtures. That's kind of interesting mm-hmm. that we didn't go and play one of the other teams again. So I don't know how it happens that way. Does it always happen that way or just worked out? I feel I feel I feel like it actually does. It does seem to be you play you play the one game, um and then you you sort of seems to play was it we'll call them team one, two, and three. Yeah, and then, and then three, three two, one. one and then three, oh, one okay. and two. Actually we will play we will play um PSV at PSV. So we home to Sevilla at PSV and then home to Lons to close out the group stage. Yeah. So that'll be in. I, I guess there's December. ultimately only so many ways you could do it. So yeah, yeah, that makes sense. They've got an algorithm to go by, and yeah, yeah. And but then of course next year we're going to be next year we're going to have the Swiss system, which I don't know. That's, I have no idea what that's going to look like. Uh, oh, they, so- I, I, I don't know if that's something we talked about. It doesn't sound familiar, but remind me if, if it was. it's going to, they're going to, there's some way they're going to do the group fixtures where there's some system about, honestly, I have no idea how it works. Apparently it's how international chess tournaments are done. Um, <laughs> okay. You know, which again, differences between the U S and the, I don't know. There's definitely necessarily a difference between the U S and Europe. It could just be the kind of Europeans who comment, comment on soccer games. And apparently people say like, Oh, it's like chess does. Oh, okay. Like they just know what that means. I don't know. Um, but yeah, apparently it's going to be it's something called the Swiss style. Um, it has to do with how the matches are going to change. We're actually going to be in giant groups, and there's going to be a bigger knockout stage. I have no idea how it works. I'll worry about next year. Next year, we still have to get into next year's Champions League. Right. <laughs> you know, I feel pretty good about right now, but also that's you know, it's also you know, it's technically still October, so we have a long way to go. Yeah. And a very competitive yeah. league season in front of us, so yeah. we'll hold uh, off on you know, that for the time if, being. If Swiss style doesn't work out, there's always Gangnam style. So hmm. I was going to make a joke about Swiss cheese, but yeah, that's enough. that's you're throwing it back on that one. <laughs> so so yeah, I mean my 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 notes on the first half. So we ended the first half um, ahead by one. Um, it, it was kind of funny the way that, that worked out. I had a note early on. I saw Martinelli in a one v one against the keeper, and he kind of tried to shoot it past the keeper from right in front of him. And I, if I'm remembering right, the keeper shot his leg out and blocked it. And I made a note at that time in the moment that whenever I've seen successful one V ones, it's not from shooting right in front of the keeper because it's really whose reflexes are better and who's reading the situation better. And goalies have a good chance of blocking it in that circumstance. What I've seen be successful is in outmaneuvering the keeper and getting around him for the goal. That seems to have a high rate of success. I've seen probably Messi. I've seen other players do that recently, maybe even from Arsenal too. I've seen that succeed more. And when Martinelli didn't do that, that was frustrating. But <laughs> four minutes into stoppage time, he had the chance to do it again. And that's what he did. He did go around him more and he ended up sinking it. So, yeah. So sometimes it actually is the right move to, to come in and take the shot first time because, because, in a lot of ways, it's very much like a penalty. Uh, you know, you're, you're one-on-one with the keeper. The difference is, in this case, the space is compressed. So the keeper's guess, maybe sticks out a leg, sticks out a hand. I mean, we've seen that sometimes with Ram, or Ramsdale and Raya have done it, been able to make quick decisions in close range. And you can do a lot sometimes even just mentally, just throwing your arms up and kind of messes with the player's mind. So, so But sometimes it also works. You're guessing there, so a quick shot, you can catch the keeper flat-footed, or if you can maybe... Uh, you know, depending if you have enough of an angle, get it around him. 
Um, it just kind of depends. Sometimes even swinging out wide or going around the keeper doesn't make as much sense because you don't have the space there. You're being trailed by a defender. Like we, as we saw with the goal, Martinelli was, had, had separated from his defender. So he had the, the space to be able to do that. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, in that sense, the, the, the first time shot, I, I don't, I don't always hate the first time shot. Sometimes also by throwing the, uh, you know, this is me as a hockey fan speaking. Sometimes the right move is to, in the hockey sense, throw the puck at the net and see what happens. Sometimes you create chaos, you create rebounds. Sometimes I think with soccer, they could get away with that a little more too. You know, punch it at the keeper as hard as you can and see what it does. Maybe he catches it and nothing happens. Maybe he spills it and it's loose in the box and you can get something, you can get a dirty. Well, yeah, we, we saw that against Sheffield. That was one of our goals was off right. So you're right. keeper. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, I, I don't hate the decision. I mean, yeah, sometimes it's, and again, that's one of those, the decisions being made in the moment and our perspective, we talk about perspective, right? Being able to step back and see the wider field. We can see, oh, you have room right. to cut around. Sometimes when you're making that run, especially at the speed some of these guys are moving at and the speed their decision-making has to happen, and sometimes yeah. you just take the shot. And I, 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 won't yeah, fault could... the guy, I won't fault the guy for taking a shot when you're that close. Yeah, no, I I think what, what I would say is I think that all makes sense. I think... I don't recall there being defenders nearby putting pressure on him, but like you were saying, that's from my perspective, you know, however many feet up in the air looking down mm-hmm. on the field, he may not have been aware of that. He may have just taken the chance when he knew he had it and maybe reflecting on it, realized that he should have done differently. And then maybe that's why he did later, or maybe it was just a different, different chance and he handled it differently, but mm-hmm. either way he got it in. Um, my note for the first half, I always try and do this. I try and like at the end of the half and at the end of the game, just kind of give an overall summary of how I was feeling at that time. And mm-hmm. my note for the first half of the Sevilla match was a mediocre first half for us, but luckily they were a little more mediocre than we were. Like it didn't seem like anything great was happening for me in that first half. Yeah, it was cagey, but I think I, I to push back on that slightly, I think on the road, there's a tactical benefit. I mean, yes, Arsenal would love to play with some attacking verve and, you know, to take the handbrake off, as it were. But sometimes when you're on the road, it's good that you're going to be a little cagier. It's better to avoid making a mistake rather than put yourself in a position to make a mistake. And then, you know, I, I, I ha- it always feels good to score right before the half because it obviously creates good feelings. And I cannot say anything mediocre about what Gabriel Jesus did to set up that goal. I mean, again, Martinelli does a great job to run in on it, you know, finishes the job. But but for Jesus to take the ball, tap it around the defender, and then place a perfect pass into Martinelli's yeah. path. Um, yeah. There's, there's nothing mediocre about that. Yeah, no, that's true. And... That leads into the second half, which definitely picked up the pace. And both sides, like we, I think both of us, Sevilla and Arsenal, kind of stepped up the game and had a much more lively second half, it seemed like. Yeah, and sometimes you need that at the half. It, it, sometimes the goal is part of what opens it up. Sevilla feels a little more pressure to push forward. I mean, they, they cannot lose at home. That's a, that's a bad for them, especially given, as we yeah. talked about, the other the draws they, they got. In the other, in their other two games, you know, if you're Arsenal, sometimes okay, picks up the intensity a little bit. You have the goal, you can play with a little more, a little more lucid, a little more confidence. Um, you know, that that late goal really sort of changes that game in a certain way. Or sometimes it's just it's halftime. Okay, there aren't a lot of adjustments. So uh, I've heard a lot of players and coaches talk about the myth of the halftime adjustment because the halftime is so fast. You don't have time to do a lot. Mostly guys are just swapping out, you know, shirts or pads or getting some, you know, getting some some hydration or getting like really no small details. You're not making huge adjustments. But 
there is sometimes like a small, even just a small adjustment can make a big difference or sometimes even just a mental reset to come back out. Okay. We've seen a few things. Now we're going to play a certain way. And so that can help. Um, but it also helps when you get another goal. Um, that, that helps (laughs) too from, uh, (laughs) from that man again. Um, Jesus, what a finish. Yeah. (laughs) What a finish. Yeah, it was. Yeah. (laughs) Um, you know, he is a, he is something of a champions league specialist. He has scored a bunch of goals in his champions league games. He really Mm -hmm. elevates his game. And Arteta's made this comment, I want to say, a couple weeks ago about what he does, how much he elevates Arsenal's game. We've talked about all the things he does, even when, even if he isn't scoring goals. All the things that Jesus does, uh, you know, from the center forward position, or even from any when he's well, the, the times he's played out wide, sort of the the edge of the advantages he gives us, and it really it seems stands out in the Champions League, where he played well in the in the Champions League games with City. He's played well in champ, you know, now playing well in Champions League games with us. Um, he's mm-hmm. just, you just gotta love it. Gotta love it. Well, while we're talking about Jesus, I didn't actually note the time that it happened here, but he was subbed off for an injury in the second half after that goal and did not play <laughs> against Sheffield. Not not that he would have necessarily with the lineup that they trotted out, and clearly we we did okay with Enkedia instead of Jesus in that match. <laughs> yeah. But- <laughs> What's the but prognosis? You, what, what are they saying about him? <laughs> yeah, it, 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 the comment was it's like it's not super serious, but also not like it. Mm, it did. It, 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 it sounded like he was going to miss a little bit. That he yeah. might be. It might be a couple of weeks. Which you just, gosh, you just never know. With with you know, uh, you know, they're so they're so loose with their injuries. In a couple of weeks, um, yeah, <laughs> it, it, you know, he's. He said, "Yeah, I'm just, uh, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, this is the quote from Arteta. I saw the, the scan showed a muscle injury. We might lose him for a few weeks again with Gabby. I can't give a time frame because he always surprises us. Um, party, <laughs> party was also out Saturday. He didn't play in either game. Uh, so it was set to be sidelined for a, a quote uh, for a few weeks. So I, I would be. Well, party we're not going to see until I would suspect not until after yeah. the the next international break at the earliest. Uh, Jesus, I don't know. We'll see. You know, what we'll see. <laughs> I yeah. guess is the is the best way to say it. Um, yeah. Um, so so moving through, they answered five minutes after Jesus's goal. They got a goal off of a corner kick, which is frustrating. Um, they then had uh, an attempt in the 64th minute that I thought uh, Raya did a good job to get high and push it up over the crossbar. That was a close call where they almost drew even. Yeah, and I, I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking of a different play. He has one. Maybe it's that one or it might have been you know even closer to the end. He has one. He kind of pushes the ball into the crossbar. Yeah, it might be the same one. Like that nearly or it pushes it like uh, that ball kind of pops up in the air very nearly backspins back into the goal. Um, yeah. There are a lot of ways that one could go wrong. And and yeah. and Raya we you know again I don't want to I don't want to turn this into a let's nitpick everything about Raya's game but he had a few other instances in this one as well some of his passes were a little off. Um didn't didn't know we seem as assured on the ball, has that kind of awkward save that very nearly wasn't a save and it was instead an own goal. I don't know. I mean Arteta's clearly clearly convinced he is the number one. He's the keeper, yeah. and that's you know 
This a lot. So apparently, some of his underlying numbers are good. Uh, you know, this is I've seen somewhere statistically his numbers are better than Ramsdale's, at least in the Premier League. Um, you know, we've highlighted some of his errors. I mean, Ramsdale had some some flaky moments. Yeah, late the back half of last season, even the middle of it, the beginning of this season. So, you know, it's not. It, it, this isn't me calling for anybody getting benched or anything, but. Part of me yeah. does start to get nervous if Rye is your number one, you know, is this, it seems like he still has a ways to go to sort of match, I mean, you know, a player like Alisson at Liverpool or Aderson at, at City in terms of the best goalkeepers in the league. Now, is he good enough, you know, to win something? I, I think so. Um, but it does make me a little bit nervous if that's kind of what we can expect from him. And also if, if Ramsdale isn't better than him in training, you know, and sort of getting himself onto the field in those games. Um, again, we're winning. So I don't like this, you know, and it, it, that helps cover a lot, but it does make, it makes me a little more nervous than I want to be. I guess is the way to say it. Right. Yeah. Did you notice during this match, Tomiyasu seemed to be getting the snot kicked out of him, like knocked around a lot with not a lot of calls in that regard. Nothing particularly stood out to me as okay. in particular. I mean, again, we compare so much of it to, to watching them play in England, where it just seems like teams can foul, you know, can can rough up with abandon. And uh, it's a very different game. I it could have just been he was having a bad game. I mean, sometimes you'll see that guy gets has an unlucky game where it feels like he keeps taking shots, and then you watch the replay. Well, none of them are bad, but obviously you accumulate a little bit. But he seemed he seemed fine. After the I, game, just, he, I just meant getting knocked around by the player that he was defending, you know. Yeah, I, you know. <laughs> nothing, nothing stood out nothing to me. I'm not saying you're you, wrong, yeah. but yeah, but nothing, nothing stood yeah. out to me as far as uh, um, particular, particular physical play. So, all right. Um, so, anything you want to say about it before I get to my uh, questions regarding this match? Um. No, we said the we said the you know I said going in right the the goal to advance in the Champions League is to win at home and draw on the road. So a road win is you know is basically two extra points, which is good for the one we dropped at Lawn. So you know yeah, we're, we're, yeah. Coming at, we're coming out we're coming out ahead in that out, regard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and again as we talked about with the other draws, you know it does put us halfway through the group. I mean I wasn't not worried about us advancing, but I think there's a there's a real benefit. I haven't really looked at other groups, so I'm not sure quite where others stand. But there's a real benefit to finishing first in your group and getting a second place team and a second leg at home when you get to the round of 16. So that's well, yeah. So what, what does the table look like for our group right now? So right now I have to pull it up for the exact number. Uh, so I'm going to do that, but I'll sort of make some noise while I, um, <laughs> you know, go ahead and do that. Uh, so we are in first place with, um, hold on, did math in my head, uh, with six points. We have two wins and a loss. um, Behind us is Lons, who has five points, and then Sevilla and Eindhoven are both have two points. Uh, okay. And it gives a reminder, the top two teams in the group go to the knockout stage. The third-place team goes down to the Europa League, which is currently yeah. Sevilla. So <laughs> They could win it again. <laughs> nobody, loves you, nobody loves you like we do. And then, uh, yeah. and then and PSV Eindhoven, by goal difference, is in fourth. But again, there are still three games left to play for everybody. Um Presumably other teams will get results in other games that don't involve Arsenal. I don't know. Maybe. Um, (laughs) Okay. So we're we're in a precarious lead right now. We're we're ahead by a little bit, you know, I could reverse in the course of one day. So yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, So first question is just, 
taking in the sights of the stands mm-hmm. in these foreign uh, foreign stadiums, stadia. Um, so I noticed a bunch of flags in Sevilla, which they looked like English flags. There were red crosses over white backgrounds. Now, I did notice in the Sevilla crest, it seems like there is that element, too, of like a red cross. But I wasn't sure. Like, So that, that kind of leads to two questions. Were those English flags? I don't know why you'd have an English flag instead of an Arsenal flag. So it's probably Sevilla. But also, do other countries in Europe have um, visitor seating the way that England does? Uh, so in most cases, the it's the second part of your question. The answer is yes. In fact, you probably saw a bunch of them in the visiting section. Um, okay. There, there is a lot still of that um, residual nationalism that you get from traveling fans in European competition. So in a lot of respects, they are English fans as much as they are Arsenal fans when they go abroad. Um, And you'll see a lot of them will have those flags and and you'll see some of those flags sometimes even in domestic games and they'll have, you know, it's a, it's a weird, we're, we're kind of odd in the U S at least in the 21st century. We don't like writing on the American flag, right? It's the American flag. It is what it is. But you go back, you know, pull out a civil war example. I mean, regiments would put their name within the stripes and sometimes would even list off the battles they had fought. Um, and you'll see some of that too, where, where they'll, li- you know, it'll say, you know, they'll have the clubs. It is an English flag, but it'll say AFC, Arsenal Football Club, or huh. they'll list where they're from, not just London, but the neighborhood, perhaps, you know, or it might say Highbury or, or Islington. Um, or, huh. you know, some of them will, you know, especially if they're regular travelers, it might actually, some of them might even list on there the places they've gone. Or maybe the Arsenal wins, where they've seen Arsenal win. So, so there's a lot of ways that sort of personalize that kind of thing. And I believe I was looking at, I want to say it was roughly about where the visitor fans are at the Emirates, which it seemed to be, if you're looking, look at the field, um, it was sort of the uh, tour off to your, your, the viewers right in the back corner. So you would have yeah. seen them. And I recall seeing a lot there. Um, now, having said that, um, the English flag is is what's called the Cross of St. George. It's a red cross on a white background, which actually is fairly common throughout, you know, different parts of Europe. I mean, just pulled up, I mean, I'm just pulled up the, uh, you know, the Wikipedia page for the St. George's Cross. It is on, you know, other places, including the flags for uh, Georgia, you know, the country, um, Barcelona and, and, and Catalonia and that part of, of uh, Spain, Genoa, Sardinia. Uh, the city of London actually uses it as well. And some of it's the basic symbol with other things around it. Um, so there's, there, you see it in a lot of places, uh, the same kind of thing. St. George is a pretty common, uh, national, uh, you know, national figure for, for a number of countries. Um, and yeah, I think you were right. I think I did see it on, it is on Sevilla's as well. And I think, I don't know if that's the city of Seville has that. Right. Um, you know, I'm sure that's part of the, uh, the just part of the, the the history of the club and the city. I, I couldn't speak to yeah. the exact details of that, but um, all right, yeah, that wouldn't necessarily um, be unusual. So, so maybe related. So, if there was a visiting section, then mm-hmm. maybe that answers this question. But I definitely noticed not in the same geography within the stadium, like you were talking about, not in the same back right corner, like Arsenal puts our visiting fans. But mm-hmm. um, it seemed like there was a section of all like red shirts off to screen left, and then mm-hmm. all white shirts in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that was kind of weird. It even looked like, and, and I must have been hallucinating this, but this, it looked like the seats themselves, like there was a section with red seats and a section with white seats, like where the Arsenal fans, I think, because I think this is where the English flags I was seeing were, were in the red seat section. But, you know, the, the two colors for Sevilla are like red and white. So that could just be something completely unrelated to playing against Arsenal, whose primary color is red. But you would expect to see a lot of red shirts for Arsenal fans in the stands, too. Yeah, it could it could just be it could be attempts at color coding, depending on where you were looking at it. Like the fans will coordinate their shirts in a particular section to give a certain effect hmm. in the, in the viewing in the stands. I, I, hmm. I didn't that I didn't notice anything in particular, so it didn't stand out to me. Um, you know, I, 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 I haven't, don't see any, I haven't seen any pictures of the match in particular sort of where, yeah, you know, what, what made the stands look like. I did nothing stood out to me in that regard, but you'll see that now and again, yeah. sometimes they'll color coordinate, uh, depending on the section. Um, you know, to try and create a certain visual okay. effect. Yeah. Um, so, so next question. This was interesting. When Odegaard was subbed off, <laughs> the referee didn't allow him to go from centrally sort of where he was standing in the field. He didn't allow him to take the direct route across the field to his bench. He made him go off the field at the, I guess it was the nearest edge, I don't know, but at the far edge and go all the way around behind the goal over and back to his his bench. Have, I've, I don't remember seeing that before, and I, I can't think of a good reason to do that. I, I can think of one reason not to, which is he's not wearing the bright-colored penny. He's wearing his team's jersey and walking along the periphery of the field. <laughs> so if they resume play, and I think they did resume play before he made it all the way back, he's someone who could potentially be accidentally passed to, which is the reason you wear those fluorescent pennies in the first place. Um, what's well, the, no, the, the pennies aren't for the players. The pennies are for the referees. So they can tell who okay. is who is supposed to be. So so what what happens there? The rule is, and this was a relatively recent change because it used to be you would come off the field where the subs came on, right at the midline on that on that that sideline. And what you would see sometimes late in the game, especially and given the yeah. circumstance where Odegaard is subbed off late in the game, nursing a one goal lead, he'll walk slowly over. In his case, he'll take the armband off and and find the guy, walk over, hand it to him, give him a few words. Maybe high five another player. See, clap to the fans, and you see, you see the problem we're getting into about yeah. substitutions being used as time wasting. Um, and so what part of the rule change okay. was? Let's let's cut that out. You need to leave the field at the closest sideline. Now, if you're relative, again, it's a judgment call. If you're relatively close to the near sideline, okay, you can walk over to where the sub happens. But if you're like on the far side of the field, well, there's the sideline. Get out. Um, so that the other yeah. player can come on and so that we can get on with the game. So in that sense, Odegaard is sent off because he of where he is on the field. Um, and yeah, he takes the long walk around, which, you know, is interesting, but yeah, that's just kind of how it goes. Um, right. But right. He is being made to walk around so that he doesn't time waste so that we can, let's get the game going here. Um, sure. So that, that's what, that's what's going on there. It looks weird because right. you don't see it as, as much as you might think it, it should, but that's what was happening. Right. Okay. Makes sense. Rule change makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, one, one last quick one, almost a joke. 
almost a little bit of follow-up. I'll, I'll let you decide where between those two it falls. But um, we talked about Tomiyasu playing 90 minutes for Japan, and I, I was getting pedantic a little bit about asking, do we literally mean 90 minutes? So Martinelli was subbed off in stoppage time after the end of the second half. It was like in the 91st minute. Mm. <laughs> so would you say that Martinelli played 90 minutes or no, because he was subbed off before the end of the, the match? Well, if you want to be pedantic about this, he, phraseology altogether. <laughs> yeah, well, if you want to be pedantic about this, he he did in fact play ninety minutes, and then another one. So, uh, in, in a sense, yes. I mean, again, as we said, <laughs> ninety minutes is shorthand for playing a full game. You know, playing a full game, which in that context, he, you know, no one's gonna look and go, "Well, I mean." Yeah. It really only becomes particularly awkward if like something happened in that stoppage time, or if there was like a lot of stoppage time. Um, or perhaps if he was injured and that's why he came off. In this case, I think he came off right. mostly to time, mostly to time waste and stoppage time. I don't like whoever was subbed on. I forget who came on in his stead. You know, no, nobody yeah. comes on in the ninety second minute is like, all right, I'm here to change the game. <laughs> at least not in the circumstance we were we were watching. I don't want to change the game. I just want to get it over with at that point. Right. <laughs> all right. Well. This week, I definitely had good occasion to use the product from our sponsor, Liquid IV. Um, <laughs> we had soccer practice, and then we had keeper practice afterwards, and I had three players, including my son, who were attending keeper practice. And it was great, and they stuck with it for maybe 15 or 20 minutes before we started just having a 2v2 scrimmage, which turned into a 3v1 scrimmage, which turned into a 4v1 scrimmage against me. So I was playing single-handedly against four, <laughs> eight to six to eight-year-olds, basically, and whew, that was uh, that was challenging. And when I got home, <laughs> I took a stick of liquid IV and poured it into a bottle of water because liquid IV, of course, is the category-winning hydration brand, fueling your well-being. And their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. In just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than with water alone. Use it first thing in the morning, before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out, and on long flights. Uh, there are 12 delicious, refreshing flavors to keep your hydration routine exciting, and they are all made with non-GMO ingredients that are also free from gluten, dairy, and soy. So um, I love that it's convenient. It travels well because you don't need a whole big bottle of something. It's just a little packet that you can pour into anything. And it also works out well. Uh, it's, it's funny. They, they must be an American company because they tell you to pour into 16 ounces of water. It turns out my water bottles that I prefer using it with are 500 milliliters or they're half a liter of water. And uh, if I just drink a little tiny sip, that leaves about 16 ounces and it ends up tasting good and not leaving any residue. So uh, I am still enjoying that strawberry lemonade, but I am running low. I'm about to have to restock. So we'll see what I try for next time. So if that sounds good to you, dear listener, you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code Gooner at checkout. That is 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code Gooner at liquidiv.com. G-O-O-N-E-R. There is no you in Gooner. There's, of course, also a link in our show notes or show description to make it easier for you. Just click on that link and you'll be supporting our show, letting them know that you came from us and helping us keep going. So thank you for trying that. All right. We've got the Sheffield United match. So I... I forgot to mention, actually, with the Sevilla match, I did suffer a spoiler. Um, I found... <laughs> so, 
as chronicled on the show, I am an Apple user for a lot of stuff, including my TV viewing almost all goes through an Apple TV box uh, connected to the TV. And part of that is using the TV app. I love using the TV app. It gives me a central place that shows me the latest episode of everything that I'm watching. It gives me any movies that are in the middle, like everything all in one place except Netflix. Netflix frustratingly doesn't integrate with it. And in the Europa League, Arsenal didn't integrate with it and Premier League never has, but Europa League didn't, even though it's on Paramount Plus, which I actually subscribe to as an Apple TV channel. So I subscribe through Apple TV to Paramount Plus. Champions League does show up, but it shows up in the weirdest way as being like a TV show with no episode numbers and a single season that spans back to like 2018 or something. So it's Mm. impossible to find anything on there. But the matches from the same day tend to be clustered around each other. And so (laughs) it'll show up like as, oh, there's new Champions League activity. And I was hoping that that would come up because when I go through the Apple TV interface, there is no chance of being spoiled. They don't have any news from the league or anything like that. It is just the content. But I didn't see it in there. It didn't show it. It didn't offer it to me. So I tried browsing to find it unsuccessfully. And then I made the (laughs) bad decision to try using Siri to find the match. Because when I said Sevilla versus Arsenal, the first thing it did is pop open a box visually showing me the score of the latest match. Mm -hmm. But I narrowly avoided spoilers watching later on the same day with the Sheffield match. Mm -hmm. So I was in the NBC Sports app. And I really had to work hard not to read the headlines on the big celebratory arsenal images that I was seeing in the app. So I could convince myself without reading the text, which I successfully avoided doing, I was able to convince myself, well, it could just be a stock image of arsenal. It doesn't mean that they necessarily won. Um, and of course, I looked at the headlines after it was all over and they're like, yeah, Arsenal trounces <laughs> Sheffield, I think was the word that they used or something. <laughs> But yeah, Trounce, Trounce is accurate. Uh, five nil. Uh, and, and of course the hat trick for Eddie and Kedia, which was quite something to see. So. Yeah. We, uh, we put the blades to the sword, as it were. Um, <laughs> which is, which I have to say is one of my favorite English isms is to put someone to the sword. Uh, it's just so, it's so medieval, you know? <laughs> um, and Sheffield being the blades, you know, their, 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 uh, crest there is, you know, two scimitars crossed. It's just, just yeah. fantastic. That's an um, interesting one. Yeah. Yeah. They stink. I feel like I've said that a lot in our competition. They're, they're, they're going down, man. They are. They, this level is above them right now. I mean, maybe they pull it together. They get a few results. They've had a few like heartbreaking losses. Um, this was not one of them. This was not heartbreaking. This was just. This was just a beatdown. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I know the the commentary. I was listening to them talking. I. Th- I think it was the halftime show. It might have been after the match was over. They didn't stay on it long. They ended up showing the end of the, I think, Brentford-Bournemouth match or something. Yeah. Um, but they were talking about Sheffield possibly switching out managers or something, if for no other reason than to shake things up and maybe yeah. get a dead cat bounce a little bit like we talked about last season. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, they said, so their record, I think they, they have the worst record of any team we've played against as long as I've been watching them. It, they've won 
no games in yeah, the they last have one, 10. Yeah, they have one point. One draw. They have one draw. They have right. one point. Um, <laughs> the record, and I, hold on, I'm going to vamp a little bit while I pull this one up. The record for the worst team in the, uh, I believe, in the history of the Premier League was the 2007-08 uh, Derby County side. Um who finished uh, dead last in the league. Where were they? They finished the season with one win, eight draws, 29 losses for 11 points. Wow. The the nineteenth, the team in 19th, Birmingham City, had 35 points. Um, <laughs> they scored 20 goals all season. Um, <laughs> I don't know that Sheffield will be that bad. Yeah. <laughs> But they're um, on. They are on their <laughs> way um, through through ten games. Just see if I can look through their list quickly here. Through ten games, uh, Darby did have a win, uh, and they had a win in three draws. Actually, so not a terrible start. And yeah. then, yeah, they they actually they won in in mid September. Was their only win of the year? Um, yeah. And then they didn't win again. So uh, that's that's the low bar. Are they that bad? I don't know if they're that bad. But yeah, I mean, I yeah, I, firing their manager, you know, you, you wonder if that maybe shakes things up. I wonder if you're Sheffield, though, if you're sort of thinking in the long term, you, you take the parachute payment, you go down, you add a few players, you're sort of thinking of yourself in a long term project. And the idea is that. Hopefully you don't turn into the yo-yo club where you're you're up and down, up and down. You're, you're West Brom, basically. You're up and down, up and down, a season at a time. And instead, you know, they, they keep the manager and they can sort of build on that for a couple of seasons. But, um, woof. <laughs> they, you know, it was, it was uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a very long day to be... A, uh, it, it was a very long day to, to be a Sheffield fan, uh, but a very delightful day to be an Arsenal fan. That's obviously <laughs> what this, this isn't a Sheffield United uh, show. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, not only did Enkedia score thrice over, uh, we had uh, Fabio Vieira score a penalty conversion. We had Tomiyasu, with I guess that was his first Arsenal goal, they were saying? First, first Arsenal goal and his 50th appearance for the Gunners. So, you know, yeah. good to see that as well. Um, Kai Havertz nearly scored in the 10th minute of stoppage time. Yeah, Kai Havertz nearly <laughs> potted one. Ben White had a good shot. For you know, it's one of those games where you get to a point. One, it, it, and we'll say this. Obviously, it ends 5-0. Obviously, we blew them out. Even in the first half, we were dominating possession, and it felt like we were just, you know, there, there was a good point in the first half where things were a little nervy. You know, that sense of we should be breaking this team down. We should be playing better. We should be getting more opportunities. Are we right. missing our opportunities? And it just kind of, you know, there's a sense of nervousness because we've seen this team sort of struggle to put teams away and then concede a bad goal. I mean, you, you think of maybe the Fulham game earlier this season, a game that arguably should have won, but conceded, you know, that late goal up a man, you know, yeah. to, to concede like that, you know, and, and Fulham is a lot better than you know, Fulham is a solid mid table side. Fulham is a lot better than Sheffield, but it does make you, there's that moment of a little nervousness. It really, I thought, you know, in the first half was like, okay, we're playing well. We got the goal. It's good. And then just in the second half, that's when things started, you know, if you're from Sheffield's perspective, that's when things started to spiral out of control. That's when you really right. lost any, whatever control you might've had. Um, I mean, you know, we'll say this, that first goal, obviously Eddie and Kenny is the story. 
That first goal he makes, um, the, he, the, the defender he beats there is Austin Trusty, uh, right. who's an American. Mm-hmm. So, yay. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, he, he, was, he was with Arsenal last season. Uh, right. We signed him in the, in the um, I think it was in the previous January transfer window. I believe he signed at the same time as Matt Turner. But we, he didn't play for Arsenal. He got loaned out last year. I want to say he was at Birmingham. He was loaned out last year and then sold over the summer. So it's a nice little tidy piece of business, you know. We buy buy low on a buy relatively low on a on a kid coming out of MLS, get him that experience, and then you flip him for essentially a profit uh, to uh, in this case to another Premier League side. So that's a nice piece of business for us. And you know, obviously, you know, Austin Trusty isn't exactly knocking on the door of the national team, but, you know, you hope he continues to grow and develop. And, you know, some days you just kind of get on the wrong side of a poster from uh, from Eddie and Keddy, who makes a great play to tap it around him, and then just a striker's finish, uh, you know, to get around, to, to put mm-hmm. it in and make it 1-0. Um, yeah, I, I was I was impressed by the footwork getting around him with the ball. That was that was nicely done by Enkedia. Yeah, he, you know, he's, he's, uh, that's, in some ways, that's kind of, he's a bit of, of a fox in the box, as they call him. He, he's sort of knows how to get himself into positions where he can score goals. That's why, that's partly why he's a striker, uh, you know, to get himself in those positions and, and to do something with it. And there he did a nice job. I, there was some criticism of him. We, you know, we didn't talk about this in the Sevilla game. There was some criticism of him amongst the fans, I should say, post game as, he didn't really add anything when he came on. He was, you know, the sense he was kind of languid. He wasn't really, you know, he wasn't really playing at the full speed, didn't really do a lot to benefit. So to turn around and then come back in this game and be able to get the goal in the first half there. Okay. You know, it's good. That's good. Let's, yeah. let's, you know, let's, let's sort of bounce back. Let's get things going, especially if Jesus is going to be out. You know, that puts a lot more on Enkedia. And, you know, that's partly why he's here is to score goals. And he did that. And that's good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so one question before we move on, and we are running a little long, so we'll, we'll mm-hmm. try and keep this brief. But just uh, I, I would like for you to explain to me the manner in which the yellow card was issued after the review of the penalty against mm-hmm. Fabio Vieira. So what we saw happen in real time was we saw what looked like a foul against Fabio Vieira. And it went to VAR, and this could have been the same thing as what we talked about last week, where the referee was going to issue a yellow card already. It just was a question of was he in the box or not, and that's what they went to VAR for. But it seemed like another one of these where he didn't the we didn't see the yellow card until after VAR review was over, and this was definitely, as far as I recall, this is not a case of. Um, playing advantage like we talked about last week because mm-hmm. he had the ball. He was knocked over. It was one of their defenders of a keeper or something got it after he was knocked over. Mm-hmm. Um, so was the ref always going to give a yellow card or did he realize it was more severe after VAR review? Like what, what happened there? Uh, the short answer is he must have always been willing to give the yellow yeah. because, because he, he, you cannot, the, the only cards you can give on VAR, as I understand, are reds. Now, I shouldn't say yeah. that. Let me rephrase that. When you, when you go to review, you could review for a red card. And let me be clear. I'm not saying it was a dirty tackle. I'm not saying it was malicious. I'm not saying, you know, there's some grand conspiracy here. But as I watch that replay, he comes in from behind, doesn't get the ball, ends up, you know, studs into the ankle. That's an argument for a red, right? I, 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 I'm not quite with. We talked about you know certain players. Oh, he's fortunate. He's still on the on the pitch. I 
you know, I I was watching it the morning I watched the replay. I was like, ooh, you could you could give that red. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I, denial of an obvious goal scoring opportunity. Like the right. last time we talked about that, the player was moving up the touch line. So mm-hmm. you had said at the time, yeah, that's not really threatening. They wouldn't give it for that. But he was he was advancing. He was on the corner of the penalty box. Like, yeah, and, and 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 well, he's he's a threat. But but the idea of dog so is not necessarily that he's in a threatening position. It's more. It usually comes down to you hear the phrase the last defender. So a lot of times. Mm-hmm. It's, it, you know, just because you could be in a position to shoot, okay. and there's still other defenders around. That's not necessarily, there's a lot of things that could go. Like, we're talking about sort of the Martinelli play from, from the Sevilla game. If the defen- Martinelli's coming in, the defender just, you know, sort of pulls up beside him and pulls him back. Okay, no, you were the last defender. You, that was an obvious goal-scoring chance. That's that's a red. Um, yeah. For, that, that's the kind of play we're talking about dog so And now... Very rarely are plays obviously that obvious, you know. I, in most cases, it's going to be a judgment call. But as I watched that, I, as that play was developing, I didn't look at that and say to myself, "That's that's dog so, that's a card." It was yeah. more like, "Was that a penalty? Was he in the box? Yeah. Was he in the box?" Then we saw on the replay, he was in the box. Um, well, yeah, I mean, and that was kind of interesting too. He was over the line, like the position where the contact was made, where feet mm. touched each other, was on top of the line, and that's probably mm. why, I can understand why that one would have taken longer for VAR to come to it. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta sort of check that. Yeah, um, I, but, I, but what I thought, I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, well, no, I guess I just wanted to get your take on what Norwood was thinking when he committed that foul. Like, do you think that he was potentially, intentionally trying to get a yellow, maybe even a red, to try and stop the goal. I mean, they were already down 3-0 at that point, so I don't know if it would have been worth it for him to get a card, but what do you think he was doing there? Do you think it was just an accident altogether? I think it was accidental. I think he's trying to make a tackle, but he's in bad yeah. position, and it's yeah. it's a des- I mean, we've talked about this. When he, defenders go to ground, a lot of times it's a desperation move. I think he was in a desperate position, again, split-second decision-making, He's been beat by a very skillful player. He goes to ground and he gets all of the era and none of the ball. I, I, yeah, I don't, I, as I said, you know, I'm sorry, I don't think it was malicious. I don't think it was deliberate. I don't think he's like, let's go for it. Let's really stick one in him. You know, I, I, you do see instances where players will take cards to sort of stop obvious goal scoring chances. I, I didn't read it as that when I read that mm-hmm. as just a bad tackle being put in a, you know, a desperate play from being in a bad position. That's what I saw. Yeah. Right. Um, but so, I, what I thought was more interesting, I just want to throw this in there, was sure. that Vieira took the penalty, um, in part because we know Enkedia was still on the field. Right. Um, and the number of players who have scored four goals in a game, I, I remember them mentioning it, it was a pretty short list for Arsenal. So, but it's Two, interesting. I think. It, it, I, I'd be interesting, interested if, um, if Enkedia was still on two. Does he hand the ball off to Fabio Vieira? I don't think so. But, uh, right. you know, he had the hat trick at that point. And, and we, I, I know we're going to kind of move quick this because I don't want time. Obviously, the second goal, again, Fox in the box, spilled by the keeper. He's in perfect position, you know, punches in the rebound. And the third goal, that's just a screamer. I oh, mean, yeah. beautiful. He does, we haven't seen him do that because, again, where he plays usually in the box, we haven't seen him do that necessarily. So, you know, right. it was a cool, it was, it was a, it's a great shot. Um, they showed Jesus up in the stands, you know, stood yeah. and applauded. You know, it's it's <laughs> it's a nice one to see. Um, 
just overall, just really nice to see that, to, you know, we, it's a game I think we needed after some, some real tense sure. ones lately to have just a, have a walkover basically is, was a nice, was nice, yeah. especially with, especially given we got some tough ones coming up. Sure. All right. Um, one, one random note. I, I couldn't think of a clever way to slip it in. So I'll just blurt it out, but <laughs> their keeper's name sounds suspiciously like a holiday that we celebrate towards the end of each premier league season. When we honor St. Totteringham for when we have eclipsed St. Well, <laughs> that's it. Mm-hmm. We've eclipsed Tottenham in the table and they can no longer surpass us. Um, yeah, so it's, I will say foddering them. <laughs> Yes, I will say though it is a little too early to speak of 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 St. Tot's Day, uh, you know, especially given they are currently ahead of us on the table right now. Uh, but yeah, but yes, it is a it is a fun little uh, the the Erringham. Uh, well, it's it's like if you replace the first letter in those, it's like it sounds the same. The spelling is different, but like if you just yes. put a T, it would be Todd him instead of Todd him. But yeah, yes. <laughs> so player of the week for you. I'm going to say collectively the strikers. I'm going to because I think it really was Jesus in the Sevilla game and Inkedia in the Sheffield game. So I think okay. and I, 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 I I'm I'm playing fast and loose with the rules here, but I think this is they are effectively serving a lot of ways. They're, they don't play, they don't serve the same role as we've talked about. Yeah. They're very much sort of playing that same position. And I think both of them, I thought Jesus was excellent in the Sevilla game. Uh, I thought obviously Inkedia gets the hat trick. Um the other option is I think the evergreen option, frankly, this season has been Declan Rice. That's that's the other answer, yeah. I think. Uh but okay. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna hand to the stri- I'm gonna hand it to the strikers, uh Jesus and Inkedia this week. So remind me when I'm done talking about my play of the week and it should be quick, remind me about Declan Rice. So I, I have to go with Enkedia. He, he got the hat trick. That's the first time I've seen a hat trick in soccer. I, I've got to give it to him. Like I, I don't deny Jesus's contribution. I don't begrudge you bending the rules a little bit in this case. I'm going to pick one player, and then that, that one player is Enkedia. Um, Declan Rice. So I don't know if I've mentioned it on the show, but you know, I'm trying to incentivize my son to gain some fandom of soccer, right? And so he'll he'll watch the messy games usually without much protest, especially if it means extending his bedtime because they play <laughs> later, right? And when we're trying to watch it live, and if he doesn't have school the next day, that's that's fine. Um, for Arsenal, I put an incentive structure in place where weeks back, like toward the beginning of the season, we were at Target and I bought a pack is like a 15 pack of premier league trading cards. And he's kind of been interested. He looks at the cards sometimes. And I told him, okay, you watch a match, you get a card in a good way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not a yellow, not a red, a trading card. Right. Um, that, yeah, <laughs> that didn't work very well because he just couldn't, he didn't have it in him to watch an entire arsenal match. Mm-hmm. So then it became, okay, one for each half that you watch. And I think that he got one card when I had it at the halves. So I've broken it down into quarters. <laughs> if he watches for each quarter that he watches, he gets a card. So he watched the 10 minute highlights. I watched this, uh, that no, wasn't the Sevilla, it was the um, Sheffield match. I watched that without, without him as late at night, but I gave him the opportunity to earn a card for watching the extended highlights, like the 10 minute highlight package mm-hmm. that NBC puts out. So he did it, and I figured he'd love watching five goals scored in the same match. It was an exciting highlight reel to watch. Um, 
the interesting thing is when I was looking through the first pack of five that we've opened to give him like his second one that he's earned, it was an interesting player with an unfamiliar jersey he was wearing. It was Declan Rice for West Ham. <laughs> <laughs> so I gave him that and I kind of explained, this is your first Arsenal player, even though it doesn't look like it. Uh, that was kind of funny. <laughs> so- <laughs> Welcome to the world of transfers. It's only going to get worse when it's an Arsenal player who then no longer plays for Arsenal when he gets the card. But that's that's a that's yeah. a sad story for later in his in his watching career. He has much he has much oh, yeah. more to go, much more to learn. But anyway, <laughs> all right. So uh, what's up this week? As well as where can we stream each of these matches to watch? Right. So big week, uh, really big big week uh, coming up on Wednesday, November first, on ESPN Plus. It's the Carabao Cup. The fourth round of that tournament, or the League Cup, as it's called, we will be at West Ham. So, uh, going across London, a um, lot of rotation should be, you know, but we're curious to see how West Ham approaches the game. I don't want to make any predictions because knockout competitions are weird. So, I hope we'll win. Uh, Saturday, uh, we go to Newcastle. This will be a big game. Newcastle's played very well this season. League game at St. James's Park. That is, we know that's a difficult place to go. I expect a very physical game. Um, it will be somewhere within the NBC family of, <laughs> of well, I was going to say networks, but not really, because we're also potentially Peacock for streaming. Um, <laughs> we saw that we're quite sure. I think it's on Peacock, but I, I have not actually seen that uh, anything official on that. And then uh, just to advance, uh, looking ahead next Wednesday, uh, Champions League home against Sevilla. That'll be on Paramount Plus or on the CBS uh, networks, uh, family of networks. Um, yeah, this is good. This could be a very, <laughs> the, uh, the, this week could either be really good as far as how our season is progressing, or I mean, I want to say disaster, but it, you know, dropping points in any, dropping any of these games would have a certainly be very, yeah. quite adverse given where we are in the, at this position in the season in or in this position in all of these competitions. Right. We will see. <laughs> Thanks for joining us at Gooner U. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and some other places, and we appreciate you subscribing to our show and sharing it with friends. If you're watching on YouTube, and please watch it there, we we hope you do, like and subscribe. To support the show even more, you can become a Gooner U superfan for ad-free episodes and bootleg recordings available the night we record. Again, in those bootleg recordings, you get a little peek behind the curtain as we banter after the show is over, so stick around for that if you're a subscriber. It's only a dollar a month. And there's a link in the show notes to join. We'd charge less if we could, but that's the floor with ACAST where we're hosted. So uh, consider it. Thanks again to our sponsor, Liquid IV. You can find them with our special link in the description or show notes. You can follow our show on Twitter at GoonerU Show for updates and ask questions. Again, my name is Dove Frankel. You can find me on Twitter at Dove Frankel. With me, as always, is Keith. And you can find him in a pub watching Arsenal matches. Come on, you gunners.